Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by being, making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. We have been uh, in a series, sort of a meta-series, where we've been going through the Gospel of Luke together. And within that meta-series, we've kind of had a mini-series where we've been taking a look at what theologians call the Incarnation. Um, and so we're grateful to have you uh, gather with us today. Today I want to talk to you about seeing Jesus for who He really is. And Christmas is really about that. It's about the Incarnation. The incarnation really means being in the flesh. And um, so what does it mean that Jesus was born in the flesh? Well, as a review of what Pastor James pointed out last week, the doctrine of the incarnation is that the eternal, triune, creator God, Father, Son, and Spirit, is a spiritual being, but so that he could reveal himself to and pay this for the sins of us physical beings, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity added humanity to his divinity, as Pastor James taught last week. That is, he stepped physically as fully God into the creation he made to be fully human. And uh, I want us to get the picture of that. Um, that's Christmas. That's what we are celebrating. The best way I can give us the picture of that is to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke today, but to set the stage for the Gospel of Luke, I want us to look at the Gospel of John for just a minute. Those of you who are familiar with the New Testament may be familiar with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It's my favorite passage in all the Bible. And so uh, if you've been part of Reach Life for a while, you know that I will read this passage any, any chance I get, right? Uh, so John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I want us to read it together. If it's um, something that is possible for you, could we stand together as we read the Word of God? John chapter 1. And I won't make you stand every time we read the Bible today, uh, but I'd like to, to start by standing to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, which say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word, this is God the Son, right, became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me pause and say, remaining fully God but now being born also as fully human in a manger in Bethlehem. Pick up uh, where we left off at verse 14. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, this is Jesus, he has made him known. Thank you, you can be seated. That is the word of God. So what John is saying there may be difficult for us to get our head around, and probably it should because it's God we're talking about here. So it's understandable that it might blow our minds a little bit. It might be tough to get a hold of. But the point is that God the Son is coming into the world that He has made, and He was revealing God the Father so that we could know God the Father. That is what Christmas is about. So when we think about this babe in the manger, realize that what we just read in John chapter 1 is who we're talking about. right? This is God in the flesh. And this revelation of God to humanity was what two faithful followers that we're going to read about in the Gospel of Luke today were waiting for. And particularly one of them, Simeon, had been watching and waiting for this promise to come to fruition for his entire life. He was waiting for God. And so let's read about that. We're going to follow Simeon's journey today. If you can go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, picking up in our series in verse 21. We're going to read more scripture today. Let's read 19 verses here. Luke, 21, Luke 2, 21 through 40. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years for when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. That is the word of God. So in summary, when Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph carried him to Jerusalem's temple for the circumcision ceremony and to do the things that verse 27 told us were according to the custom of the law. And so they entered the temple complex and there's this guy, Simeon. And if they would have entered, I would venture to guess, if they would have entered the temple complex any other day, they would have found the same guy, Simeon, waiting for Jesus. Here's an old guy who's ready to go be with the Lord, yet the Lord had promised Simeon, you will not, you, you will not go until you see the Messiah. So here's Simeon waiting. And it happens to be that this day, Joseph and Mary bring in Jesus. Simeon, verse 25 tells us, was waiting for what is described the consolation of Israel. That's a title. The consolation of Israel was a title given to the Hebrew Messiah, the Savior. Um, In what may be one of the most prophetic passages in all the Bible, I want us to go to uh, chapter 40 of Isaiah. We've read from Isaiah already today. Um, The book of Isaiah is amazing because it lays out the Messiah, Jesus, to us, who would actually incarnate, be in the flesh, in the world. Uh, This is who Simeon is holding in his arms. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. Speaking of their war, they were warring with God himself, right? Um, That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That phrase that he shall comfort my people. That word comfort is the same word that Jesus used before he departed to go to heaven and said that that the Father would send another comforter for his disciples when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So this comfort my people is talking about Jesus, God the Son in the flesh. Of course, if you know your, your New Testament and you remember what we did through the Gospel of John when we were when we were in that, uh, I guess it's been a year, over a year ago? It's been a long time, James. For those of you who are here for the Gospel of John, you may remember that, uh, or it may sound familiar to you, that what Isaiah was talking about and here in chapter 40 in the Old Testament is what John the Baptist said about Jesus in Isaiah chapter three, uh, 40, verse 3. He said this, it sounds just like John the Baptist because this is what John the Baptist quoted, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Wait, wait. Make straight in the desert a highway for whom? Our God. The Messiah will not only be a man. The Messiah, whom John the Baptist was going to go before and make a straight way for, is our God. God. This is Jesus, God in the flesh. Well, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, uh, who the text said was resting upon Simeon, had revealed to Simeon 
Again, that he would not see death, verse 26, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That phrase may sound weird to you, the Lord's Christ. What, what does that mean? Well, Christ is just the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah. This is the Lord's Messiah, the Messiah that the Lord would send. It's a title. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. By the way, it's a, it's a title. It means he's the long-awaited anointed one, the Jewish Messiah. This is Jesus. So this is a faithful follower of God, Simeon, who was day by day, year after year, looking, anticipating, waiting, wondering where is the Messiah. And let me just pause and say, church, we may be in the same place now. Because Jesus has not only promised to uh, come to earth once, he, he did that. He kept his promise, did he not? He went away to be with the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and comfort us until he returns. So we may be waiting every day, year after year, for the Messiah, just like Simeon. Lord, where, where are you? Well, I want us to be encouraged today because God's word to, to uh, Simeon was true. And Jesus' word to us is true, that he will return. Well, for Simeon, today was the day. He'd been waiting day after day, year after year. He's waiting for the Messiah. Now, the people who were waiting for the Messiah, the Jews who were looking for the anointed one that God would send, the Savior, were looking for someone pretty different than what they got. You may know that they were looking for a grown man, a robust man, a political man who would deliver them, maybe, a, maybe a, a warring man, who would deliver them from the hands of the Romans and their persecutors. We know that's not what they got. <laughs> but this godly man, Simeon, who it says the Holy Spirit rested on, and it says that the Holy Spirit had spoken to, this man who was guided by the Holy Spirit did not have mistaken preconceived notions about the Messiah because, how do I know that? Because he recognized the Messiah when he saw him, a baby. He recognized the Messiah because he was being led by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing that when the Holy Spirit is leading your life, you recognize the Savior. Uh, and so, so is the case with Simeon. Uh, Jesus was not a grown, robust, military, political leader here to fight a war and overthrow the Roman government. It was a baby. That baby was God in the flesh. He came to live a perfect holy life, to die in our place and bear the sins of the world. And Simeon recognized that. And he took that baby in his arms and it says he praised God. He blessed God. God bless you. We like to ask God to bless us, right? Simeon's Bless you, God. This is amazing. Here is the Savior. Well, today, I want us to praise God as well, because just like Simeon, I want us to see Jesus for who he really is. Uh, in verse 30, we see where Simeon says, My eyes have seen your salvation. And if you're following along in your weekly, and you're a note taker like I would be out there, if one of you were preaching, um, that's the first thing I want you to write down is that Jesus is salvation. He is. 
Jesus is salvation. I want to unpack that a little bit. Reach Life Church, we are what we call a gospel-centered church. In other words, we focus on and build everything around, at least we try to by God's grace, what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf by living a perfect life, dying in our place, rising from the dead, and guaranteeing that we can have eternal life with the Father by grace through faith. That's the good news. That's, that's the gospel about Jesus. And the book of Romans teaches us that the gospel is the power of God, Bible students, for what? It's the power of God unto, sal- unto salvation, yes. is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So let's put those puzzle pieces together then. Jesus is salvation. Um, in fact, this seems to be the reason why the angel Mary told him, told her, the angel told Mary to give him the name Jesus. His name would be Jesus. Because we know that Jesus is really two words smashed together. Jesus' name literally means Yahweh, the one triune God, saves. Jesus is salvation. Um, Jesus is the means of salvation. Jesus is the ends of salvation because it's to his glory. This is why we as a church seek to make much of Jesus. It's why we worship Jesus. It's why we want others to know Jesus. It's why we preach the gospel because it is the good news about Jesus and Jesus is salvation. Well, verses 31 and 32 tell us that Jesus is salvation. You're going to see a progressive outline build uh, this morning that Jesus is salvation for everyone. Jesus is salvation for everyone. Verses 31 and 32. Let's read it again. That you have prepared in the presence of whom? All peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, according to Luke, God had prepared this event for all people. Verse 31, right? And Simeon kind of tells us the implications of that. He says Jesus would be a light of revelation that is seeing God for who he is to the Gentiles. Well, what's a Gentile? Anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. That's most of us gathered here today, most of us watching online or listening online. Jesus is a light of revelation about who God is to the Gentiles. Um, Remember uh, our passage back in John chapter 1. Let's look at it again. Verse 9. The true light, right, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people. Pause. Who is that? The Jews. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. But it also says, and to the Jews, he would be the glory of Israel. You know, for thousands of years, the Hebrews were like, there is only one God, his name is Yahweh. There is only one God, he is sending the one Savior, right? They didn't know his name yet, but they had, they had believed and had been preaching this message for thousands and thousands of years that the Savior of the world would be the Jewish Messiah. That's what they had been preaching. And now Jesus is the fulfillment and completion of all the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. 
He is the glory of Israel because the Hebrews had it right about God. And Jesus is proving that. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises of God. Jesus is the hope and light of the entire world. And later, when we observe the candlelight portion of our gathering today, it's Jesus, the light of the world, that we're celebrating, that we will be remembering. Jesus is the hope and light we remember when we celebrate Christmas. Um, So this season should really be a time of great hope for us. Well, as we now know about Jesus, he not only brings hope, but this is going to sound controversial to you, he brings that hope only to a specific set of people. What? (laughs) You may ask. (laughs) Who are these people? Well, next in your outline, I want you to see that Jesus is salvation for everyone who receives him. Jesus is salvation for everyone who receives him. Simeon foretold this to Jesus' mother Mary in the temple that day, didn't he? Look at verses 34 and 35. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is saying that Jesus will be the source of the downfall or the rising, this is a spiritual thing, of many in Israel. And what the Holy Spirit was saying via Simeon was that Jesus has come to save. Yet, those who don't accept Jesus will not be saved. Remember our passage from John 1 again. Look at verses 11 through 13. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. You see the contingencies. Those who received them, those who believed in his name, then he gave the right to become children of God. You know, the reason that those uh, Jew and Gentile alike who reject Jesus are separated from the Father is given to us by the preaching of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. You can just look at this on the screen. Where they say, This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders. Again, he's talking to the Hebrews. You're the builders of of true uh, theology and, and faith, but you have rejected the stone, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus said this himself, didn't he? In John chapter 14 where he says his famous passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. But for now, Simeon has seen God's salvation. And that's what he's declaring. And he had a word of warning for Mary, didn't he? He says, a sword will pierce your heart also. And many Bible commentators uh, think, and I agree, that Simeon's referring to Mary is going to have to see her son crucified for the world. She will be witness to what will take place. That sword of sorrow will pierce her heart also. And Simeon pointed out back in verse 29 that all of this would happen happen according to God's word. Well, 
What can we learn from that little phrase? All of this is happening according to God's word. Just make a mental note. God is good for his word. God is, will he say and not do it? Right? God is good for his word. And, and, and Luke tells us that the spirit was active in Simeon's life. The spirit had revealed God's plan to Simeon. And now Simeon, standing in the temple complex, by the Spirit and under the Spirit's direction, verse 27, right? Uh, Simeon followed what the Spirit was leading and he uh, was brought to Jesus. You know, the Old Testament, uh, which would have been the Bible for Simeon, is full of prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. God is now fulfilling these ancient promises. And to Simeon, God kept his promise. He was promised that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. Well, now Simeon is literally holding the Messiah. <laughs> right? Can you imagine? This man has waited his whole life. God, where are you? He is here. And so Simeon's response is the only appropriate response. He praises God. And so let me just stop and, and, and pause where Simeon says, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You know what Simeon's saying? Simeon is saying, now that I've seen the Savior, I, I can die in peace. It's exactly what he's saying. Now you, have, you can let your servant depart in peace. Simeon is saying that he's, he's ready to die now. So let me ask you a question. When is a person ready to die when they meet the Savior. When they meet the Savior. The same is, is true for us as it was for Simeon. We can both, we're actually not only ready to die, but we're also now ready to live once we meet the Savior. Both is true, right? But here for Simeon, he's like, like the, uh, the Apostle Paul might say, you know, uh, I'm in Christ. I'm, he's my Savior. If I depart it's better for me. I get to be with him. But if he leaves me here, it's better for you because we can worship together and help one another grow. And so either way, uh, man, I'm in Christ and I can live in Christ. And if, if, it's, if it's my time, I can die in peace because I know the Savior. Well, this is what God said to Simeon. Uh, what do you think Simeon would say to us then today? What would his message be to us? I want to quickly give us some takeaways First, I think Simeon would tell us that the Savior has come. This is Christmas. If you miss this, you're missing Christmas, right? Uh, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the true joy of Christmas. But then, you know, the nine songs are famous for being like Christmas people. It's like just anytime Christmas, right? Christmas all, all month. I was talking to, to Sam before the service. It's like, what are you guys going to do for, uh, you know, they're newly married. You're going to have special traditions that you develop for yourselves. And, and his first statement was, well, you know, for, for Abby's family, Christmas is the whole season, right? And, and it's true. Um, but really, for the, for, the, for the follower of Jesus, the incarnation, Jesus, Emmanuel, which liter literally means God with us, is not just a season. It's life. This, the magic of Christmas, the joy... The love that we feel, the connection that we feel with one another is for all times. That's why if, if you travel abroad, uh, Lilia just got back from Ukraine 
if, if you're traveling abroad and someone you've never met, but they are a disciple of Jesus, Lily, am I right? Instantly, man, it's my brother or sister right there. I, I, I love them. There's, there's, a, there's a connection because the Savior has come, and, and that's supposed to be all year long, all the time. And why did the Savior come? We'll learn later in Luke. He tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, to be lost, um, there's a lot in that phrase, but it, uh, one of the major components is that it means to be out of the familial, the, the a family relationship with the God who made you. That was us. Listen, if, if you're a follower of Jesus now, that was you. Uh, at one point, um, we, were, we were lost. You know, perhaps this morning you, you wouldn't like identify yourself like, well, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I don't exactly consider myself to be lost. Fair, fair enough. Um, but you are, um, there, there's, there can be one way we perceive ourselves and then a way that God perceives us. And I want to encourage you this morning to see yourself the way that God sees you. Um, you're, not, um, you're not in the family relationship with God until we embrace God's Messiah. You can't really even embrace Christmas. So that's the first thing that Simeon would say. Second, he reminds us that God keeps his promises and that God is with us in the present moment. You know, the very timing of Simeon's death, this is amazing, would be in accord with the coming of the Messiah. So God had timed, this is amazing, God had timed Simeon's life and the end of his life with the coming of the Son of God into the world. God has orchestrated these things and understand that God had woven the entire cosmic uh, timeline of the Messiah himself was interwoven with Simeon's life. Can you imagine? I hope you can because the same is true of you. It is not by mistake this morning that you're hearing the good news about Jesus. The timeline of the Messiah himself, although it was 2,000 years ago now, is also interwoven into your life. God has you hearing the good news about Jesus because He loves you. He wants you to know Jesus. And through knowing Jesus, you can know the Father. That is the great news. And God is with us as we wait. I want you to consider John, uh, 1 John chapter 4 as we await the Messiah's return. John says, by this we know that we abide in Him, that is Jesus, right? And He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And I want to want us to also read Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. He has said, this is God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So life with Jesus is one of confident waiting, just like Simeon. I can walk through life knowing that God is sovereign over time and space. 
God sent the Messiah to be born in the flesh, to be among us and to die for us. And just like he rose, we will raise. And right now, as we wait for his return, the second advent, God is with us. And the third thing I believe Simeon would tell us was that if we behold and worship the Savior, we can die in peace too. You know, one sermon that I read worded it this way. It says, because there is nothing so sure as death and nothing so unsure as time, it is incumbent upon us to respond now. Let me read that again. Because there is nothing so sure as death, yet nothing so unsure as time, it is incumbent upon us to respond now. The Apostle Paul would word it, now is the day of salvation. So responding is what we're going to do now in our gathering. We're going to have a time of prayer. And what I want you to do this morning is to do business with the Lord. I want you to, to, yes, recognize the meaning of Christmas, God among us, Jesus come for us, uh, to demonstrate that He is for us, as Pastor James talked last week. But also, not just understand the meaning of Christmas, I want to encourage you to appropriate the meaning of Christmas. In other words, consider it for yourself. Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, I get it. What does that mean for me? Well, I'll remind you of Isaiah 9 too. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light come. You know, embracing Jesus, the light of the world, that's what Christmas is about.